Welcome to Artbeat, Canada's Art Pulse. I'm your host, Katie. Today, we're excited to speak with Emily Pope, a Toronto-based artist celebrated for her captivating exploration of womanhood and the essence of the human condition. We'll explore her distinctive path in the art world, confront her struggles with striving for perfection, and her reflections on aging and the transformation of the body. Get ready for an enlightening exploration into Emily's world, where every creation offers a window into self-discovery and rich introspective revelations. Emily, hi. Hi, how's it going? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. Welcome. I'm glad Thank to have you. you here. Thank you. I'm excited. This is my first podcast. Oh, amazing. Well, I am honored and very grateful that you've chosen to come on Artbeat with us. I would like to look backwards for a moment and have you reflect on how art played a part in your childhood and growing up. This is a really good question. And it's funny because I think about I've always been making art. If I think back on my childhood and what I was doing in school and how I spent my time, it's one of the biggest consistencies that I've done in my life. I can pretty much like close my eyes and see myself and like feel myself sitting at my kitchen table in the house I grew up in drawing away. I was obsessed with drawing. I think there was like a period during university where maybe I slowed down a bit, but I've just always been drawing and making. It's just before the world of careers and what are you going to do with your life? It's just something I did. It was just something that really came naturally to me. I think it's just something that I connected with that like felt good for me. Mm -hmm. It sounds like art has always been a part of your life and your art feels so personal. Can you tell us a bit about what it's like to see yourself reflected in your art? For me, it's almost like freezing a moment in time. I think in some ways I'm kind of obsessed with time and (laughs) being like, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing something else? Time's going so fast. Time is going so slow. And it's almost just like freezing a moment and being able to reflect on that. I'll look at a piece and I can immediately see like, oh, I was listening to this audiobook, and oh, I remember what I had for lunch that day. And oh my gosh, that was a <laughs> horrible day because this and this happened. So they kind of like end up being these memory keepers, I guess, but not necessarily reflected in what's being shown. But just for me looking at them, I see all those moments. Like I think something about the connection to your hand. It's like when they say studying for a test to memorize something, you know, you write it out a million times. And I think that kind of functions the same way for me. Like while I'm painting, it's like I'm actively connected to like what I'm experiencing. And I think it's interesting too, because I use my body a lot and bodies are always changing. So I look back on paintings I did a year ago and it's like, I couldn't paint the same painting because my body doesn't look like that anymore. So it's like a process of accepting and like letting go yourself within the making process, I guess. It sounds like it puts you in a very vulnerable place to almost expose yourself through your art to others, to your viewers and to those who you sell your paintings to. I'm curious, how do you tap into that vulnerability and how are you able to let go and paint yourself? I was thinking about this a lot recently in that realm. Being an artist, it's kind of hard. And so much of it, you just kind of have to like 
let go and accept what's happening. Like there's so many failures, but there's also so many wins too. And I think by like, I don't know, I don't even see it that way. I was just going, what do you mean failures and wins? (laughs) I don't know how to describe what I was saying, but I just feel like not disconnected to it, but I just really have to accept it. Like I can't worry too much about that. Like I think because my art is so focused on myself and I think the only way to keep going is in some ways focus on yourself. And I hope that doesn't come across too narcissistic. No, not at all. If you just focus on yourself and worry what you're doing, you can't be too worried about what other people are thinking. I don't feel too vulnerable about it. And Mm. I think that's kind of why I I always end up kind of painting my back or my view Mm. from my back because it's this almost disassociative lens. So like I'm staring at myself the same way I imagine anyone else would be staring at me. So as I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at it as the audience as well. But I'm more worried about how I feel. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. And I think too, and I was thinking about this too, the nudity is subtle. I think there's so many naked women portrayed in art since Mm -hmm. the dawn of time. So I'm kind of like numb to that angle, but it doesn't really feel like representation because it was never painted by the bodies that are being exposed. So I feel pretty confident in what I'm choosing to show. Okay. Is there a particular reason that you're always painting like the view from your back? Yeah, I think it's like I'm watching myself and I was talking to someone about this recently, like when you go back and look at your memories, what you did yesterday or last month, I'm almost watching it as if there's a camera in the corner of the room looking over my shoulder. How I kind of see my life in my mind's eye is almost from that position. So I'm kind of just when I'm reflecting on what's happening currently or what's happened in the past. I'm kind of looking at it from that perspective. And how do you choose which moments to paint? This is really speaking to my work from 2022 and 2023. I feel like it was kind of a really cathartic release of like feelings that I've been holding on to for a while. And I'm actually pivoting a bit now. I feel like right now I'm focusing less on feelings. But this body of work was very feeling driven. So... I keep a journal and there'll be certain ideas or experiences that I like ruminate on. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm writing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think it's those kind of things that you get like stuck on that end up being this loop in my mind and in my journal that I'm like, okay, well, how can I kind of explore this and push this? And like, for example, One of the things that I think was coming up a lot was this kind of skin crawling feeling, like just this overall unnerving discomfort I feel in like just existing in a body. And I feel like that's something I focused on. Well, how do I want to show that, you know? And so that's why I would focus on, I have my body, which we can all look at. And then how do I pair it with things to highlight these like phantom feelings that I can't necessarily like put into words and aren't necessarily there in the plane of reality that exists, but I'm trying to hint at that are there. You just can't see them. That's fascinating and incredibly brave. 
again, I feel like you're so vulnerable through your art and so expressive of what's inside. And like you just said, what's difficult to put into words. And I feel like so many of our listeners are able to relate to that. You mentioned that you're moving away from feelings in your art. What does that mean? Right now, what I'm kind of working on, and it's catching me at a funny time where I feel like I'm starting a new chapter. And all of the work I just presented and did in the past year, they started with these feelings, like I was mentioning, and I kind of explored it from there. And then I worked from titles, but I'm almost approaching it from the different aspect. Like right now, I have a series of ideas and opinions, I suppose I'm trying to communicate. I think I'm moving from kind of this sad's not the right word because it's not sad. It's, I don't know what it is really to kind of, yeah, like something, some sort of like yearning for the void. But Mm -hmm. I think that the next series of work and, you know, it's so funny, they might end up looking very similar, but from where I'm coming from, like a mental perspective, they're a little more stubborn and angry. I don't know. We'll see. I also feel that can be quite reflective for a lot of us listening. <laughs> These are not easy times that we heard. No, no, so it's no. interesting to hear how no. your work is very expressive of the human condition. Mm-hmm. What's I, happening to us all? Well, I think that's the other thing too. When I started working, I always thought like I really want to connect to other women and not speak for other women because I definitely don't speak for other women or all women. But what I realized is like, oh, I just need to like be as honest as I possibly can to my own experiences and to my own feelings. And hopefully from there, the connection is made. And so you mentioned not being a part of the art world per se, and maybe not having that traditional journey of the conventional route. What has that been like for you? I want to know, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel that you're not a part of the art world? I think because I went to school, I did that thing where it's, you're artistic, you know, this high school brain, you're artistic, (laughs) but you can't, what is being an artist? You know, I think especially coming from Canada, you know, you hear this anecdotes, you know, they're not good anecdotes, but Vincent van Gogh never sold a painting till he died. The the starving artist trope and the crazy genius and no one teaches you about the industry of it all. And I'm a practical person. So it wasn't even something I really even considered was a career path. And as I mentioned, I've just always been making art. So it's, this is just something I do. So I went to school for environmental design, like the trajectory being architecture. And I ended up working the film business doing graphic design and art direction and just like continuing my painting journey. And I don't have the traditional education, so I don't have the traditional connections. And, you know, I just existed on the internet and made connections from there. And most of what I've done has been international. So I don't really even know much about the Canadian art scene. Mm -hmm. And I think also too, you can speak on this and know more than I know, but from my understanding too, what the emerging landscape in Canada is a little more rigid right now in terms of Mm -hmm. bachelor, master's connection with 
a certain level of galleries versus I think internationally right now, there's more flexibility of picking up emerging artists that are kind of like working independently. And also too, I hope I don't come across that I'm anti-school or anti-intellectualism. Not at all. It's just not my path. No, not at all. Do you feel that skipping that formal art education has shaped your approach to your art in any way? I think it does because I look back. So I did a Bachelor of Design. So we were taught so many things that we were taught as if they were facts, but they're opinions. And you're so malleable when you're in school and you go, okay, I guess that's the way it is. That's Mm -hmm. good design. (laughs) And then you realize five years later, that's no longer in fashion. And I'm sure they're teaching things that are completely different. And so I feel like I'm so focused on fine tuning that thing in my brain, what feels like good and true to me when I'm working on an idea, like fine tuning that like little switch. I don't know, like I picture it like a little meter where I'm like, is this honest? Like, is this good? Is this Mm. what I'm trying to say? Am I executing this the way I want to execute it? And like Mm. with every painting, you're kind of like fine tuning that little thing in your brain that gut feeling, I guess, or like Mm -hmm. trusting your instincts. Your intuition. Yeah, your intuition. And I think because my work speaks to that, I feel like I'm kind of doubling down by committing to that. You talk a lot about your art, I think, being a glimpse into your inner world. Mm -hmm. And this might be not such a technical question in a way, but I want to hear and I'm sure our listeners do too, how do you translate these internal visions onto canvas? I think you have the starting out point, which for me, for the most part, is my body or personal objects. And then it's almost like creating a symbolic toolkit. And I'm not the first person to do this. So, you know, having having almost like a toolkit of what certain symbols mean to me and Mm -hmm. how I can like put them together like a little puzzle so they end up leaving what I'm trying to say. So, you know, I think I paint pearls so often and I Mm -hmm. think they're such a perfect little symbol because how a pearl is born, you have a mollusk, an oyster, and some sort of irritant enters the body of it and then they like secrete this thing so it kind of protects itself by creating this protective covering over this little irritant. It's usually like a bacteria or a piece of sand. And the pearl is born. I'm like, isn't that the perfect symbol of you have something come into your life or into your mind and you ruminate on it. You look at it from all different angles. You code it in different thought patterns, Potential solutions, Mm -hmm. ideas, distractions, distractions, problem solving, like what are you going to do with this thing? And then you end up with the pearl or whatever you're dealing with, the outcome, you know, the side effect of it all. And I think there's something also kind of ironic about dealing with all these emotional angst, we can call it. And then you end up with these paintings. It's kind of the pearl, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. this pretty thing for consumption. Do you ever struggle with perfecting a piece? Oh, I think that might be my biggest struggle. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think that might be my life's mission to <laughs> overcome my perfectionism. <laughs> I have such, I guess you can call it a core memory of mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I was drawing a face and I was drawing eyes. And at the time they were circles and I realized eyes aren't circles. So I was like, oh, like, okay, I gotta, you know, like bring them in in the corners, you know, work on that. And not being able to make the eyes symmetrical. Like I'm probably five or six years old, like kindergarten age, absolutely losing my mind that I can't make <laughs> these two shapes the same. And I have to say, it's pretty similar. To <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's pretty similar experience in the studio, you know. <laughs> but I think what it is, it's this like deep frustration of having such a clear vision and image in your mind and having to figure out like, how do I connect what's in my mind into my hand and put it on the canvas? that translation. And I feel like what I'm working on is almost this like, not therapeutic, but this meditative flow of mm -hmm. cycling out what's in my brain, out of my brain. And I think that kind of speaks to at the end of the day, I think most artists are creating because they want to be heard and seen on some level, like mm -hmm. on a basic level. And I think it's like, I have all these clear images and thoughts in my mind. And then when I try to put them out, they're not so clear. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, how do I bring that out in clarity is I think where the perfectionism comes from. Yeah, it sounds very frustrating. Like it can be very frustrating to mm -hmm. not be able to coherently impart what you envision in your mind's eye onto something more permanent, like a canvas. Yeah, it's kind of like you wake up in the morning and you had a dream that was so clear yeah. and you go to say it out loud and you're like, that doesn't make sense or no, 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 you're just not understanding it. And then you go back in your brain, you're like, it makes sense. And you try to speak it out loud and you're like, that's not right. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's very similar, I think. Do you feel like you might ever be able to let go? I want to explain where I'm coming from. Listening to what you're saying, I feel like there's a lot of intuition in conveying your thoughts and your memories and emotions. And then I hear the struggle with perfecting what you're painting. Where is the line between that intuition and allowing your intuition to just be on a canvas versus perfecting an edge, let's say, because of your... Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. And and <laughs> I wonder if we talk in 20 years and maybe I've figured it out and we my paintings look, yeah. <laughs> and my paintings look completely different. Sometimes I think I do a lot of drawing and I had a really busy year of painting and I kind of slowed down my drawing, but I'm always drawing and mm -hmm. my drawings are a lot looser. I stop sharing them too. And so they're really just for me. And I think I do try to have that for things to just be like, and this is once again from how I'm seeing it, like messy and incomplete and whatever. But I don't know. It's so hard. I think with the paintings, what I'm trying to focus on more too is in general, 
and I think this is true to everyone, you set these goals and you push so hard to achieve these goals. And then once you achieve the goal, you're left with a bit of a shrug feeling. Maybe I'm not, but it's hard to say like once you reach a goal, it's just what's the next thing I can do or what's my next goal? It's more of a, oh, okay, I did it. Sigh relief next. And so I think I'm kind of focused on shifting my perspective and trying to have good days and like pull it back. Mm -hmm. So I guess in terms of shifting my perfectionism is like maybe focusing less on the outcome, but if wow, I'm creating the piece because I really do enjoy being meticulous and careful. Mm -hmm. So if I could have a good day by being meticulous and careful, then hopefully the outcome will matter less, but the mm-hmm. outcome will be closer to what I'm trying to achieve by focusing on the smaller end of things, which I think is true for everything. Like I think you kind of have to focus on being happy in the moment without sacrificing things of the future. When is a piece finished for you? I think for me, it's like what I have in my mind. Once I get to that level where it's close, I think you do a couple things to the canvas where you end up being like, oh, I have to pull back. And once Mm -hmm. you end up doing more correction on the canvas of like, I should not have put that line there. Mm -hmm. That is far too many highlights, wiping that away, which is the beauty of oil paint. It's so malleable and it's really not too permanent because you can always add another layer and always Mm -hmm. pull back, which I think is like a really nice feeling because nothing feels too dire. So I think once I start just, how can you really screw up a painting? But you know, once I start screwing (laughs) it up, trying to get back to where I was, I think that's the point you have to be, all right, it's done. And it's not really a matter of liking it because it's so funny. It's like, do any artists like the work they make? That's a great question. (laughs) But it's so funny because it's like, I feel like it's a bit of a dirty little secret that no one really likes the work they make. I had an idea. It's like a quiet conversation I have with people. You know, I see it. Can't believe I'm bringing up TikTok. You watch a TikTok video that this is my favorite painting I've ever made. This is my favorite. Oh, I love this painting. And I'm like, what? And then you ask your friends that are painters like, do you like your work? And it's a no. So... (laughs) I don't know if that's just me and my friends. No. A, I love being brought into what I feel like is a circle right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Of something maybe that feels like a quiet part that not a lot of people really want to say out loud. Yeah. But it's there. It is. And, you know, it's so hard because you can simultaneously not like a work, the piece you've made, but be proud of it and stand behind it. Because I also think that there's no way to progress in anything without being critical of it. If we liked what we were doing, then I would be drawing the same way I was drawing at 11 years old. So I think you always have to look at things with some sort of critical eye of like, was this what I wanted to do? Was this what I wanted to say? Okay, well, how am I going to change that? And it's not like a judgment. It's just part of it. It reminds me of a quote. I'm probably not going to say it verbatim, but I feel like it more or less explains what you're expressing, which is the moment that you feel comfortable with your art, 
you're not really creating art anymore. It's so important to be uncomfortable with what you're doing. <laughs> I agree 100%. I agree 100%. You really, I think you just have to kind of keep pushing yourself, you know, and yeah, I don't know, tap into something. I don't necessarily know what that something is, but you just have to hold some sort of vision and just like keep going, you know, like it's like I, I need to create because I need to express myself. I think that that is something that everyone needs to do on some level and whether it resonates with me or resonates with other people that it is what it is, you know, just keep on keeping on. Who do you paint for when you paint? It's twofold because I think you really, you really have to paint for yourself and Mm -hmm. you really have to make work for yourself. And, you know, by simultaneously, I think it's so hard to talk about in some ways because I think everything ends up sounding like a contradiction, but you have to make work that you're proud of and can stand behind because what happens is if when there are those low moments or failures or things don't go according to plan, you have to still be like proud of what you're doing. But I also feel really guided by just like connecting to, I don't know, like this body of women that exists throughout time in like the past, present and future that like are all kind of operating in solitude and creating in solitude and, you know, at some level feel so alone. And I'm not a lonely person, but it's this Mm -hmm. like isolating mental state, I suppose. And knowing that there's so many women and people that feel just mentally isolated or different or whatever and knowing that you know we can all exist and connect to each other's work like I've talked about her a lot in the past but like you know if I don't know if you've ever read Sylvia Plath's journals Mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. they're you know it's like oh my gosh like she was feeling the exact same way I'm feeling and there's really something (laughs) something's comforting in that you know being like oh the exact same way you know you you have these thoughts where you're like I I must be the only person that's ever thought this before and then you realize that there's like thousands upon thousands of people experience it is it's yeah very universal so there is an element of like definitely wanting to like leave behind a body of work that like people can look at and be like uh, same you know what I mean and (laughs) I I don't I don't need everyone to connect to my work but it's like one of my paintings is in a room with a thousand people and 999 people are like, "Mm, I don't really get it. And then one person is like, oh, I get it. Like, I, like, I see what you're saying. Like, I get it. Like, that's, that, that, it's good enough, you know? Do you ever experience, I'll say, creative block where you might be creatively drained or are you constantly, like, not painting fast enough because you have so many ideas that you want to get out I think it's like a bit of an ebb and a flow I prefer to work on one painting at once and I really like I love the feeling of like you figured out what you want to do 
and you start painting. And as paintings usually take me, like I'd say my average size is about three foot by four feet. And mm -hmm. the first day, once I start painting, they usually take me about like 10 days. And, and those are my favorite days of just like actively working. And then when it comes to like, it almost feels like within thought pattern of like creating the next painting, it kind of, that's almost where the creative rut happens, like in these like small mini cycles, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'll finish a painting and be like, okay, well, what am I trying to say next? Or like, sometimes I like to work, I wouldn't call it a series, but like paintings that fit together. So what I'm trying to communicate is more clear. I have three paintings where the first image is like the side of my body leaning on like a misshapen pearl, which is kind mm -hmm. of like the representation of like that kind of that tension in your body or like that old thought pattern. And then like the next painting that goes with it is the figures on their back. I'm on my back. And so it's this, my stomach with a bunch of small pearls. So that that one big thing has broken up, you know, you've, you've dissipated it, you've kind of clearing it out, but it's still there. And then the next painting is this big glass shell with a glass pearl. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have this trauma, physical, mental, whatever, you work on breaking it apart and you get rid of it, but it's still there in some ways, like a memory of it. So it's kind of like, the body remembers everything. The body holds mm -hmm. on to things. Your mind kind of cycles on things. I wanted to touch on, because earlier you you mentioned aging and you mentioned about how when you paint yourself as a reference, you know, your body changes over time and you're, you're painting a different body. How do you feel about that? It's interesting, you know, and I think I think of it like, I like, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, every year from now until I always joke, I'm going to live till 107 years old. So I've hey, just committed it, to living great. 107 years old. I believe so, you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so from now until I'm 107, if I just like, if I have like one kind of painting and I, let's, let's say the back and I just, I keep painting it, you know, or like if I, mm -hmm. if every, my hands, I paint hands in almost all my paintings and it's mm -hmm. like, I've already noticed my hands are changing. Like I have this one vein in the center of my hands that's like so much stronger than it used to be. Mm. And it's like, you know, it's only going to get deeper, you know? And I think in some ways it's kind of nice because you're kind of separating yourself from like uh, the aesthetics of like having a body because you're you're putting it on canvas. So I think it's so interesting to like see over time watching it transform because I think you know existing in the world like you know you're beaten with a stick on your head thinking that like women have an expiration date you know and I think it's only getting worse it's like you know after after 30 you know or like you I know it's like it's all 30 <laughs> yeah it's all downhill from there and it, you know and it's like what am I supposed to do you know you just have to you have to accept it and I, I think through painting, I've, I've accepted it, you know, and I don't know if I've accepted it in my uh, walking around life, but in, in art, I've accepted it. And I think, what else can I do, you know? 
yeah. So it's it's tricky. It's tricky. I don't. This one's a tricky one for me because I can't speak to every to every body. You know. And I'm wondering too. You were talking earlier about how the body holds trauma. Mm-hmm. How I think this also relates to how we were talking earlier about being able to convey in the way that you want to convey what's in your mind's eye onto the canvas. But how do you capture those complex, hard to explain emotions in your art? You know, I think scale is a big thing, you know, making work that's like quite large. So it's a little bit in your face and making really purposeful compositions. So you're kind of forcing the audience to look at this one thing, you know, and so it's not just, uh, so you know, so there's like not a lot of things to unpick like that, that, you know, like it's like that is uh, one section of the stomach, you know, so you're forced to be like, what's happening on that one section of the stomach? And it's like, why is there so much tension in the hands? And then like, I'll, I'll add details, like little beads of water that obviously work there. But it's like, what is that trying to point towards or, mm-hmm. you know, communicate or it's like, oh, like, I've kind of felt like that before, like, you know, like uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of feeling. So I think it's just almost kind of directing the gaze, really, like directing Mm -hmm. the gaze of like how, what I'm trying to show. I'm curious to hear like how your journey of personal identity has been mirrored in your art over the years. And you can go back as young as childhood, but just curious how that journey has shown up in the art that you produce? Well, I I think in general, like I've always been very good at fitting in, you know, and like doing, doing what I thought was perceived as the right thing, you know, Mm -hmm. do, you know, like not going to art school, like going to design school to get a sensible job, you know, or just oh, that's making sure my hair looks like everyone else's hair, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure I'm wearing the right thing and saying the right thing. And I don't know if any of that stuff ever really came naturally to me, but I'm was very I am very good at it, I think. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> but um and I, I think, you know, you kind of reach a breaking point of where you're like, I don't like I don't really feel like I'm being myself or I don't really feel like I'm expressing how I'm actually feeling. And I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say, you know, like, it's like, here I am, is kind of what the paintings are saying. Like, so you have like one a physical body, like here I am, this is the truth. It's that simple. And then you add all these elements that are kind of saying like, oh, well, there, there there's more than what I'm just seeing if I was looking at you in the flesh, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just kind of like a, like a, invitation to look a little closer. From your pieces over the years, has there been a singular piece or or maybe even a series that is particularly close to you in that you wouldn't want to sell it, you wouldn't want to get rid of it? And I'm interested to hear the story behind it? I actually have a piece. I made it in 2019 and it doesn't look like any of the work I'm 
making now, but it was, I think kind of the first piece I did, I took a, I took a break from, cause I was working in film and mm-hmm. I took a break after, after a show and I went to Portugal and I was like, I need some time to paint. And I rented mm-hmm. an apartment and just painted from the apartment. I feel like it was like a really, like a, it was a painting that I was like, I'm going to try, I'm going to make bigger work and I'm going to explore and test new things. And it was like, I think probably the most sentimental thing for me because it felt like such a turning point in how I was wanted to live my life moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, it's in to my best friend's house. So, <laughs> so nice. I feel like, like, you know, I did when I signed with the, the gallery and, in Hong Kong since I, before I had done kind of like a studio sale to like clear out a bunch of work. And I Mm -hmm. I put that up in the studio sale and I was like, it kind of like did a little ping. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to let this one go, Mm -hmm. which is such as a, which is like rare for me. Cause like, like I was saying, it's, it's such a cathartic experience, but I was like, this one, I was like, I don't know about it. And yeah, one of my best friends reached out, she's like, we want this one. So it's it's in their living room. So I can't look at it. I can't. It's funny. I have a hard time looking at my old work. Okay. So you're represented by a gallery in Hong Kong. You just mm-hmm. finished a solo show there. Tell us a bit about what that was like. And did it feel any different from, you know, perhaps having your art in Canada? And if there were any differences that you felt you know, it's so hard to say because it's like I was mentioning earlier, like I'm just right, right now I'm at a point where I'm just focused on like having good days because, you know, you do these things and uh, I, I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to Hong Kong. So it's for me, it's just something like that, like existed online, right? <laughs> you know, so I feel so cut off from it. But, you know, it's, of course, like you hear like reception and all that yes. kind of stuff in sales. So you have to like be proud of yourself and in those regards. But yeah, I don't know. I I had a, my group show in, in London, Pictorum Gallery, and I was actually able to go for that. And it was really nice to like, you know, I, I paint out of a basement. So I literally spend so much of my time alone in a basement, mm-hmm. and which I like. I do like it, but you know, you kind of, you kind of sometimes you're like, what am I doing? So to, you know, all of a sudden, you know, be in a space with like your work and other people. It's like, it is, there is something really gratifying about that. And it like, I think it kind of, it like helps put you like, okay, like I'm going to keep going. Like I'm going to, you know, cause it's like people are connecting to what I'm doing and I'm going to, try to connect to what I'm doing and I'm just gonna just keep going um so that's helpful but you know at the same token I think I would I would love to start working with the gallery in Toronto because I want that kind of to be like present and connected to my work and this like is that this I you know I grew up in the junction and now I live more downtown and I'm gonna live here and stay here so I I, I would love I would love that so We'll see. Have a bit more of connection. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, I, I don't really the contemporary figurative painting. I don't, I don't, 
see it being a super big thing in what's happening in the art scene in, in Toronto. Um, what do you yeah, see so. happening in the art scene here? Oh, I see a lot of sculpture and installation and I see a lot of abstraction. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know how much my work fits in here when I would love to be proven wrong. I would really love be to be your superpower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charting your own course. Yeah, yeah. In the Canadian yeah. art world and maybe not, we'll say, fitting into the current, I don't want to say trends, fitting into It's what, true, though. Yeah, currently the latest and greatest. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, and you know, I- tides change, right? The pendulum swings, so... Yeah, exactly. And you have you have to, that's the other thing is like, you really have to focus on what you want to do and what you want to say, because if you're going with the trends, like, you know, what, where's the, where's the stability in that, you know? And of course, of course you end up being influenced by, you know, what's happening around you, like culturally and what other people are doing, but you really have to be, I think, rooted in what you're trying to say and do and express because I feel like otherwise it's a flashing pan. No, and that's a really great point. I feel just like a good film art is very transparent and viewers of art, I feel like they would be able to sense any disingenuine, you know, feelings that the artist is putting out there. And they'd be able to discern that this isn't as genuine or authentic as it should be. It's so interesting. I, I totally agree. And I sometimes like you can almost kind of see, and I wonder if you can too, when there'll be a certain aesthetic, I'd want to call it, that seems to be like popular. And you can kind of feel when someone is like, if that's kind of the aesthetic that flows from them versus it's a look that they're copying from others. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I just, you know, I, I feel like you can kind of tell. I, I don't know. So if you could change one aspect of the Canadian art scene, what would it be? And I think this almost applies to all art scenes, but I wish, I wish there was a little more, I guess, transparency because I think, you know, it's, just the way in terms of like communication works, like, you know, you're not supposed to just email a gallery out of the blue and you have to kind of wait for them to come to you. Like, mm-hmm. it, so you just have, to, it's like, that's kind of a bizarre thing when at the end of the day, it should be a 50-50 relationship, you know? And I think in general, I just wish there was like, not a rule book, but just more just more openness, I guess. But, you know, you, you talk to everyone and everyone's experience and story is like completely different. So it's, it's really hard to say, but I don't know. I, I, I hope things, yeah, I, I think that's all it is. I, just, I wish there was like a little more transparency. Mm-hmm. So what is next for you? What are you working on now that maybe you can share with our listeners? What do you want to do in the near future? Any upcoming exhibitions that you can share? What can you tell us? Last year, I had a very full plate and I think I bit off a lot, not more than I can chew, but I ended up really having to hustle to Mm. get everything I needed to get done. And I, this year I'm kind of focusing on 
hurting further inwards, if that's even humanly possible. <laughs> and I think too, a lot of my work, I kind of was like looking at almost like as a body of work. And I think I'm kind of shifting and I want to treat each painting way more as like individual painting, which I think will give me a little more freedom to like shift gears as I go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think you're going to see more glass paintings from me. I think I, it is so fun to paint. And I think, you know, you really have to focus on the things that you enjoy doing because you're doing it for so long. So I just, I love painting glass. Like it's so fun. Like painting highlights is the best and (laughs) glass is almost all highlights. So I think you'll see more, more glass for me. Emily, where can our listeners find your work? You can find me on my website, which is www.emilypope.ca. And I'm on Instagram, which is E-E-E-P-O-P-E. And yeah, you can reach out to me through email, through DMs. I love talking. I think one of my favorite things is when other artists reach out to me just to like chat or ask my opinion. You end up having like some of the best conversations that way or, you know, revealing, you know, juicy details of things that are happening that you didn't know, (laughs) which are very useful tools. Gossip is a very useful tool. And I'll be posting for any updates. And I look forward to hearing from you and your listeners. Well, we really look forward and very excited to see what you do this year. And thank you. Thank you. This is really fun. It was nice to chat. Thank you for joining us on Artbeat, where the stories of Canadian art come to life. Follow us on Instagram at Artbeat Podcast for exclusive content and previews of what's to come. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to stay updated with our journey through the world of Canadian art. Enjoyed the episode? Leave a review or recommend us to a fellow art enthusiast. Together, let's keep the conversation going and deepen our connection to the diverse world of Canadian art. See you next time.